Welcome to the UDIA Queensland's Development Drum Podcast, where we learn from members about the property sector and at the same time, get to know your industry colleagues a little bit better. Hi, my name is Chelsea and today we're interviewing Sonia McDonald. Kindness advocate, mum, leader, speaker, author and all-round fabulous human, Sonia McDonald has dedicated decades of her life to understanding leadership and what can make good leaders great. She founded Leadership HQ as part of her mission to rid the business world of superficial leadership. Sonia will be bringing her leadership wisdom to the UDIA by delivering a course for members only later this year. She is delivering a bespoke course just for us, touching on self-leadership and leading teams. I'm so grateful you have made the time to be interviewed for this episode of The Development Drum. Welcome, Sonia. Thank you so much for asking me. It's a, it's an honour to be here. Thank you. So I guess the purpose of this podcast is to get to know our industry colleagues and I think um, what you're doing is certainly something really valuable and interesting. So I like to kind of slide into the podcast a bit more relaxed and ask just what does a day look like for you? What's the day look like for me? I get up really early. I get some lemon hot water and I would love to say that I do my meditation and I go and read and do a bit of exercise, but I don't. (laughs) I jump onto my emails. I tend to be very creative in the morning, so I tend to do a bit of writing, but then after that I do some meditation and visualisation and also um, do a little bit of exercise, which is really important to me and also some affirmations as much as I just really feel that setting up the day in the right framework is really good. And then my day is, I'd have to say, it's uh, pretty full on in terms of lots of meetings, coaching, designing and delivering workshops, gosh, speaking to people that are interested in our leadership awards, trying to set up social enterprises. Uh, So it's pretty, it's, it's, you know, I really am so passionate and in love with what I do. I actually sometimes don't even see it. I mean, I don't see it as work. Some days I do see it as work, but most days I think I'm really blessed that I get to, I get to teach and coach and inspire really wonderful people and leaders. So you've done three, well, you've written three books now, Leadership, Attitude, Just Rocket, and you sent me a copy of First Comes Courage, your latest book, and you talk about the ingredients for courageous leadership being kindness, impact, purpose, and resilience. Can you expand a bit on why those are the four essential ingredients? I think when I, gosh, I've been working in the people and culture space now, for 30 years, uh, even though I don't look it. Definitely uh, not. Not <laughs> a day over 30. No, not a day over 30. Yes, good eye cream. Uh, I think with all the research, particularly when I started uh Leadership HQ and just recently McDonald Inc. And I think with all the research and work that we've been doing in this space, I felt in terms of coming up, courage was a real theme in terms of not only my books and the research and the work we do. I I looked at that courage piece and I thought when it comes to leadership, it does take courage. I think actually courage is fundamental in everything we do. And when I think about what it takes to be a truly courageous leader, and if you look at, and I talk about the compass, that kind of the kindness, impact, purpose, and resilient, making the compass, I think kindness is first and foremost. I think that courage is fear. 
but it's not the absence of fear, it's the mastery of fear. And I think that mastery of fear does absolutely take courage, but also it takes that inner kindness to really see that you are a human being and that if you do make mistakes, that's okay, you know, to be self-kind and be kind to yourself. But I think for me, kindness is essential to everything in life because it is about having the courage, you know, to be kind to people and to show gratitude and to accept people for who they are, to show empathy. I think for me, being really focused on kindness in my leadership has been such a fundamental and pivotal kind of change in the way I teach and I lead and I parent that I do do everything with kindness and it does take courage to be kind impact, I think, as well, leadership is, I think we've made leadership bigger than what it is. I think we've made it about role or title, where essentially leadership is about helping others be more, do more and learn more, but also making a difference. And you can make a difference in all aspects of life, not just at work, in the community, at home, being here, um, having an impact by having a conversation with you. So I think leadership is about essentially making a difference and having an impact, no matter how small. And also around, I talk about in terms of courage, around focusing on that impact and how you can make an impact through your courage. But also it's around purpose. It's around why you do what you do, why you want to be a leader, I think is fundamental. I always say that to everyone. You know, even last year when COVID hit, so many people, I remember when we we launched our inaugural awards, we're all about championing kindness and courage. And everyone had said to me, don't do the awards now, put them on hold. And I, the day that we were about to launch 100 finalists or announce 100 finalists for the awards was the day pretty much COVID hit and everyone said, don't do it. And I said, but our values are courage and kindness and we're all about leadership so that wouldn't be very courageous if I didn't. And our whole purpose is to build a world of kind and courageous leaders. So I just stayed really focused on our purpose and said, look, the only way we're going to get to courage is to focus on why we do what we do, our purpose. And The last one is resilience is, again, that courage to keep moving forward, keep picking yourself up, keep persevering, I think is really important when it comes to courage that I think a lot of people, again, resist the whole courage thing or being courageous because of fear or fear of whatever it could be. But I say to people, well, at the end of the day, the worst thing is to happen that that fear came true, whether it's you've stuffed up or you've taken a risk and it hasn't worked out, what did you learn from it? Just keep moving forward and keep focusing on that courage to, you know, go for your dreams and goals and what you really want to do. So that's why I felt those kind of four pillars were really important when it came to courage. Uh, and when I was reading your book, I I, I kind of was visualising Jacinda Ardern, um, in case people who are listening have been living under a rock, New Zealand's Prime Minister. Uh, her empathy and kindness gives her such a, a quiet yet very strong power, in my opinion. She somehow manages to make people feel comforted and like they're in good hands. Is she the type of leader you think goes beyond what you dub superficial leadership? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I think that's probably why everyone has really resonated with her leadership and even now every time she does something or announces something or everyone sends me look what Jacinda's doing, Sonia, look at you. Because I think they kind of think that she um, she's kind of the core of what I stand for around kind and courageous leadership. And look how popular she is. You know, look how she, and she even says that uh, 
gosh, there's a famous quote, I don't know it verbatim, but she does talk about, which I, I do talk about, that you can still be strong as a leader and still be kind. You know, kindness is, I say kindness is a superpower. It's, it's not a weakness, it's actually a strength. So I think she really epitomises that and I think that's why people have really resonated to her, particularly last year during COVID. I think I remember, you know, and I've been kind of out there espousing this in leadership for many, many years and last year so many people said to me, ah, now I'm getting it. Like I was like, oh, okay. Finally, <laughs> thanks for coming to the party. Thanks I've just for coming been, to my TED Talk. I think leadership is hard and there will be mistakes and there will be successes. You gave a couple of examples in your book of leaders who didn't own up to their failures. One that comes to mind was the VW example and their well-publicised emissions scandal. What should they have done differently? I think, and I, I suppose this is why the whole vulnerability space I think is so important, is admitting to mistakes and saying, hey, I didn't know or I stuffed up or it was an oversight. I think people respect that so much more than trying to cover something up or not even admitting, you know, which we do see with our politicians, to say I think that whole vulnerability piece uh, really today is what people are looking for and what people need. And I think that's why that particular leader, and I, at the time I actually owned a VW as well, <laughs> this is what really makes me so cranky, you know, even seeing some of the leadership we're seeing coming from Canberra at the moment, not that I want to go too much down the political kind of stream, but that they're just not admitting that they it was an oversight or they said the wrong thing or they did the wrong thing or they stuffed up. I think do we not see that people actually go, hey, you're a human being, we all make mistakes, regardless of how people might judge that, at least you're staying true to yourself and you're kind of then going being accountable and saying and having the courage to be accountable as well and having the courage to go, you know what, I knew about this or um, I wasn't across it and I should have been across it. Just being transparent, vulnerable and open, you tend to find most people would actually demonstrate kindness back and also forgiveness because, you know, you've actually demonstrated that type of courageous leadership versus trying to Cover sweep, it up. Yeah, sip it under the rug. Yeah. And, oh. I think also when people admit mistakes, certainly in the past, I think I feel more respect towards mm. them for it because, hey, they're not perfect and they will never always be perfect. But, yeah, I think it takes courage to own uh, something that happened and certainly when I've managed teams and things have not gone correctly, I feel like the buck stops with me. Like I'm not going to have an issue with that person. We're a team. We made some mistakes. Mm. We're all culpable and I will own what has happened. Uh, something else you note is that you can be a leader without a title. So can you expand on that a bit for me? Oh, I think I think we've personally, and it's interesting, I mean, I've been talking about that for a long time around that leadership's an attitude and mindset and choice. It's not a title. Is that I think we still have made big leadership bigger than what it is. So we kind of look at the Jacinda Ardern's and, you know, the politicians around the world or we look at people that have CEO in their title or manager in their title and they kind of go, well, they're a leader because they've got it in their title. I'm not a leader because I don't have it in my title. It's like, well, no, there's leadership everywhere. Anyone can be a leader, even from, I don't know if you watch that show, Undercover Boss, and you see him going undercover. Sometimes I go, really? Did they not see that he's actually got a just, it just a terrible out. wig on? Yeah, yeah, he's just stuck on a moustache, and that's it. And they've gone, oh, this is Bob. He's the new cleaner. 
and then he's like takes the moustache <laughs> off and goes, okay, yes, it's I'm the CEO, is that leadership can be everywhere and anywhere and that's why I sort of say to people to, if I could go back in time and I would say to my younger self, start learning leadership now. So start learning about self-awareness and emotional intelligence. Start to understand what your values are. Start to get to know who you are strength, what your strengths are, what could be your leadership's shadow, but also learn things around how to communicate more effectively, how to understand people's behaviour, how to motivate, you know, all these different skills and talents because you can lead anywhere. You can lead even as a mother or a parent or a gosh in the community or you know, uh, I just think you could, anyone, anyone can be a leader. You know, I just think, you know, I remember early on in my career in human resources, I didn't have manager in my title, but then, you know, a couple of years ago, I was sitting in the car driving to work and this, this young man rings me, he's not so young anymore, but he rings me saying, hey, is this Sonia McDonald? And I said, yes. He said, do you remember when you were you know, on in this organisation where I was the HR officer that back then, he said, your faith in me and your courage to give me an opportunity changed my life. And I'm here now 20 years later. I am the executive housekeeper of a five-star hotel because of you. But I didn't have back then leader or manager or anything in my title, but I just really cared about making a difference to people that 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 I actually touched through my work and we're able to make a difference. So I just think that we all have opportunities to help others be better versions of themselves and to help and support them and inspire and lift them up in some way. Yeah, I think kindness is a hard thing to do and I think almost we've come become as a society very individualistic and it's kind of a little bit dog-eat-dog sometimes in workplace cultures. So I think kindness is indeed a superpower. Um, when people are looking at themselves and assessing their leadership style, are there generational nuances? Is a Gen Xer going to be a different kind of leader to a Gen Y? Do you think the advent of technology and different things as they were growing up have shaped them as leaders? I think so, absolutely. I think any sort of, you're always shaped by your external environment. I think all these different things absolutely shape who we are and our belief systems and um, what we're exposed to and things. Um, I'm seeing, and I'm very passionate about our future generations, I'm seeing our future generations when it comes to leadership much more focused on impact, particularly social impact and how their behaviours and how who they work for, what they're how they're making a difference to the world. A lot of people say our future generations won't get off their phone or want it all now and things like that and I kind of... I understand that, but I mean, all generations have their different kind of <laughs> styles and things. Um, so I definitely think that I definitely think the environment different, like with technology, has definitely shaped you know the different generations. But and also, I've been saying that we, I mean, I coach and work with people that are baby boomers, right down to millennials and Gen Zs, and I've spoken at universities. To, to 15 to 16 to 17 year olds and I'd have to say you know when I speak at universities in their you know high school the thing that amazes me is that they're so they really want to learn it like when I was at that age I was thinking what's this leadership <laughs> space but they're really I think they're probably a lot more aware of this now saying that the baby boomers I coach uh 
you know, they're really open to this as well. At the end of the day, I think with any of this is just having a growth mindset that you're open to learning regardless of, you know, age or gender or race or nationality. I think it's just having a growth mindset. But absolutely, you know, I I definitely see a slight difference in the generations, but I I just think the generations that are coming um, coming up through the ranks, which I'm very passionate about, this is why I'm really focusing on trying to embed this courageous leadership for them because they are our future leaders and I find that they they really love it. They they really take it on board. Well, that probably is a good segue into, into getting a mentor. So last year I sought out a mentor and to be honest, I wasn't really sure where to start. Mm. Um, what would you say is the power of a mentor and what should you look for in that person? Do you need a specific goal for that relationship? That's a great question. I'm really passionate. I know I've said the word You're passionate, passionate about, about a lot, a lot, lot of, of things. things. I'm sorry, I you can know. only be passionate about four things tops. This will be your fourth. Is it so, by fourth? I'm, I'm cutting you off after this. You have to find another word other than passionate. Okay. But please go on, mentors. I'm, mentors, I think I'm very committed Excellent. to everyone <laughs> trying their best or get doing their best uh, to get a mentor. I've got a mentor and a coach. Um, I am also a mentor and a coach to a number of different people. But in saying that, gosh, trying to find a mentor, this is why I say to people, it could be internally. So there could be someone internally that you really admire, their leadership or their skill set. Um, so reaching out to them to be a mentor, it could be someone that is in a different organisation, but you really, again, you admire or you've had some exposure or dealings with them somehow. For instance, we're doing some work with Cross River Rail at the moment and one of the remarkable leaders I'm working with there, I introduced her to someone that worked for another government agency. She was, funnily enough, on her radar anyway, but she was able to, you know, have a conversation with her and get her as a mentor. Um, networking and association events, I say go to all of those, like go to those if you can, if they're in your sector industry or something that you're, you care about. <laughs> <laughs> you, I almost had you say passionate. And I, I could see it forming on your lips. So I think that... Those sort of things. LinkedIn is a great way to try and find mentors as well. I think when it comes to a mentor, it is really they have the time for you that you're going to learn something from them, but also you're going to give back. So mentoring isn't about what can I get from someone. It also has to be what you can also give back to them as well because I learn a lot from my mentees as well. And even for my mentors, I give back a lot to them as well. So I'd highly recommend you starting to think about having a mentor and a coach, but a mentor I think is really important for your career and for your life. So what's the difference between a mentor and a coach? You tend to find that mentors give you more career sort of skills development. A coach is probably a little bit more around behaviours, goal setting, mindset. Still, I mean, I work a lot as a leadership coach, so I do teach a lot of leadership skills and tools and things. We have a leadership toolkit, so I do, it's more like a leadership program, which I coach people one-on-one, but I also coach people around helping them with their brand, their business, their mindset, goal setting, keeping them accountable. Whereas a mentor is someone that's helping you kind of navigate your career, giving you guidance around that. That, that's probably the biggest difference between the two of them. Something else I want to pick your brain about is the dark side of leadership. I think we've all worked for a bad leader and I'm mm. doing inverted commas here, which no one can see. One that springs to mind is the micromanager. I think everyone's probably worked for someone like that yeah. at least once in their life. 
what motivates people to, I won't say the word lead, manage in this way? I've always assumed it's more about them than it is about the people they're doing it to. Look, I think it's a, it's a great question. I think ego, uh, I think control. So I think you tend to find it's interesting, and I say this to a lot of people, that micromanagement lights up the same areas of the brain from a neuroscience, from a neuroscience lens as if I'm walking down a dark alley and the, the manager's following you. So it actually lights up the same areas of the brain. So when people go, oh, I said, well, do you want it to light up? the same areas of that if you're micromanaging do you really want them to feel like you're following them down a dark alley (laughs) Um, so it's and also thinking about for them why they're micromanaging so as the person that they feel like they're micromanaging are they not motivated or do they not have the skills so therefore you need to look at what's going on for them but also what is also going on for you is it a control thing and why do you need to be in control? Is it an ego thing because you're concerned that if you don't micromanage your team, you're not going to look good if they don't deliver? So therefore, that whole trust, I think, is fundamental. So really trusting your team. At the end of the day, the whole key to this is if, you know, obviously really hope that they'd be open to self-awareness <laughs> and be open to feedback. So if they are micromanaging, that they get that kind of feedback. But I get them to sit down and think around other ways they that they could trust and empower their people versus kind of hovering over them all the time and putting systems and and different tools in place that they don't micromanage as well. Something else you discuss in your book is being open to change. Why is that so important? Don't tell me you're passionate about being open to change, please. Uh, I (laughs) I'm not. I'm not overly caring about that. (laughs) I won't use the word. Uh, I think change, we're always changing. I think we're always evolving. I, You know, if you think about who you were a year ago. Five I, years ago. Yeah, we kind six of. Six years ago, had no children. Exactly. We're always, the whole thing changes constant and absolutely is constant. I think that's probably why, and again, we do do a lot of work in helping people understand how to lead change and how to embrace change and how to be agile and adaptable and the whole resilience piece, Uh, particularly last year when I think I was seeing when, especially when I'm bringing COVID in because COVID was such a massive impact and change, is a lot of people didn't cope with it because of the actual kind of it hit us and a lot of people don't like, oh, as humans, we don't like change. We resist change. It's kind of like, well, oh no, okay, we have to <laughs> adapt ourselves. And the brain doesn't particularly like that because, again, it's like, now I need to learn something new or I need to like form new habits and things. So when you kind of see that change is just part of life and part of who you are as a person and also as a leader and, and be more open to accepting and seeing change as a real opportunity and a benefit versus it's going to be hard to change but going, hey, this change is actually going to be really good for me and seeing the benefits in it, then you're able to embrace and lead it a lot more effectively than resisting it. So, uh, and obviously it depends on the change as well. So, Well, I'm super excited that we'll be having you on the 24th of August to give us a workshop for members. So that's on leaders in development and you've kindly done a little bit of a mashup of two of your workshops. Uh, We're looking at uh, self-awareness as a leader. What, What kind of things will you touch on in that workshop? 
definitely around <laughs> understanding and kind of pulling back the different layers around who they are and what leadership means to them and their values and their beliefs and things like their principles and philosophy and, and also emotional intelligence and why that is really important EQ when it comes to being a leader. And the other portion of it will be on leading teams. What can people expect to learn from you in that regard? I think for me the the thing is that leadership is about others. So it is about people and it's about you're only as good as your team. So it's around how to build a high-performance team. What does a high-performance team look like? How do you motivate and inspire and engage people in your team? And, and also how do you bring them along the journey to what you want to achieve as a team for the organisation as well. So I'm going to be giving them some great tools and skills around those kind of areas. And how can people get in touch with you, Sonia? There's lots of places <laughs> that you can get in touch with me. Um, my website's leadershiphq.com.au, mcdonaldinc.com.au, sonyamcdonald.com.au. There's three. Also LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. So it would probably just be easy to Google you. <laughs> you could Google me. <laughs> Um, yes, but they're kind of, or LinkedIn, I'm very big on LinkedIn, but you're also more, you're more than welcome to email me at sonia at leadershiphq.com.au as well. Awesome. Well, I'm really looking forward to it on a personal level. I could chat to you all day, but I know you're very busy. So I will wrap up and just say thank you very much. And I look forward to seeing you later this year. My pleasure. Thank you so much. I loved it. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the UDA Queensland's Development Drum Podcast. It's been an absolute pleasure having you. And if you want to hear more episodes, visit udiaqld.com.au forward slash podcasts and send us your comments and questions via marketing at udiaqld.com.au. Remember to subscribe, rate and review this show on your favourite podcast app. We'll be releasing a new episode every month. So we look forward to having you back. Mm-hmm.